Hello, everyone, and welcome to UGA Sports Rumors versus Facts. I am Blaine Gilmer here with my co-host Jed May, and we are here once again to talk Georgia football recruiting, and it's coming off the heels of a national championship performance, Jed, and a celebration and a lot of uh, interesting things that are going on in the world of Georgia football recruiting. The staff is out on the road, and we're trying to keep up with uh, where they go and talk to as many uh, prospects as we can. Uh, it's a busy time for everybody, but uh, Jed, recruiting never stops, my friend. No, and, and especially right after a national championship when a coaching staff, they don't they don't have their rings yet, but they're putting the, the, the ring catalogs down on these kids' counter saying, hey, we're, we're going to have one of these ourselves here in a couple months. So, you know, come on to Athens and, uh, and get yourself another one. No doubt. And when you talk about the viewpoint of this coaching staff, right? I mean, you saw in the, if you watch the Georgia all access that they do, the Georgia dogs.com does a great job with that. Kirby in the locker room was telling the guys enjoy it tonight. And I think he literally meant, just that night because he's already the next morning was thinking about trying to get a second, you know, championship in, in a row, trying to uh, go on a repeat uh, that he is laser focused. And this team uh, this year was no doubt built through recruiting. I mean, uh, a, a unwavering effort to bring in the the best talent, the best fits for the university of Georgia. And I think that also lend, uh, lend itself um, you know, came to light uh, throughout the season, Jed, is that not all the time is a player going to be that ends up making a big difference on a team going to be the highest evaluated guy by even us here at Rivals, other recruiting services. It's the evaluation of that staff, i.e. A.D. Mitchell uh, in the in the national championship game. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I mean, look no farther than Stetson Bennett. Right. I mean, how often have we talked about his story, the the walk on and all that kind of stuff? But yeah, that that connection. I mean, obviously, there was the the Ringo pick six and all that kind of stuff after. But, you know, in an alternate universe where that game goes on and, and Georgia wins by one, you have the biggest, arguably the biggest play in Georgia history being a, a former walk on quarterback throwing to a what three star receiver who, who no one really knew his name till till G day this past spring. So. It's one of those things we talked about it a lot. It's stars don't matter quite as much as how the staff evaluates these guys. And, you know, A.D. Mitchell is is a perfect example that came up huge in the national championship. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, Jed, when when we talk about this national championship, right, and what Georgia has just accomplished, there's some people out there, mainly people that uh, tend to be uh, fans of rival uh, teams of Georgia that that are throwing out there, oh, it's not that big of a deal. How much uh, higher of a recruiting class can you get than being in a top five recruiting class year in and year out and Kirby having one uh, number one classes and things like that? But I think you and I have both seen in, and heard and how we've talked to prospects that were at the trophy celebration, at the championship celebration, and just in general watching Georgia win the national championship and get over that hump versus Alabama, it it is making a difference. There are some there are some players that Georgia has lost out on to Alabama, maybe to a Clemson, to other things like that, that. That that championship hurdle has been used against Georgia, and now that has been knocked down, and uh, no longer can you negative recruit in that way against Georgia anymore. Right, and I was thinking about this earlier. From a program standpoint, what do you have left to negatively recruit against Georgia? Can't beat Alabama check that box, win a national championship, 
check that box. Um, you know, developing players, check that box. I mean, there's so many things um, coming into this year that, you know, as much as Kirby Smart and company had accomplished, there were still those things um, that, that other programs could say. And now all those things are checked. And sure, you know, will other schools, um, you know, say, oh, if you're a receiver, you can't put up big numbers at Georgia, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, sure, but every school rec- negatively recruits against other school one way or another, right? But from a program overall standpoint, there's really not a whole lot to nitpick, um, you know, when it comes to the Georgia Bulldogs anymore. Hey, you're absolutely right. And a uh, reminder, everybody, this is Rumors versus Facts here on the UGA Sports YouTube channel. Or if you're listening to the on the podcast feed, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Make sure you go ahead and do us a favor early on. If you enjoy this content, and uh, we've had so many write in telling you how much you enjoy the content here on the YouTube channel, continue to support by just hitting that subscribe button. It's free. Uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It'll get get you notifications and things whenever UGA Sports goes live, like Coach Donnan was live earlier today with Rodney Nabolsi and uh, Dane Young talking about that national championship victory for Georgia. So go ahead and hit subscribe, hit the like button. That helps us out a lot. Uh, we really appreciate it. But, Jed, there's, uh, you know, as we said, Georgia wins the national championship, and then the following Saturday, so that was on Monday night, on Saturday the 15th, they had a uh, championship celebration, a parade, a sold-out environment there in Sanford Stadium that a lot of high-profile recruits around the state of Georgia and otherwise guys who came in from out of state are able to uh, see this celebration and see what happened with with uh, you know Georgia beating Alabama and, and just the the fan base and the passion that was there. I think that's the biggest comment that I got out of players who were there. They were just in awe that over 93,000 people and really probably more over 100,000 people with the thousands of people outside the stadium in downtown showed up just to see the trophy presentation. Yeah, I mean, I talked to – I texted uh, Sammy Brown during the – or before he got to the stadium, and he texted me while he was in there and said, this stadium feels like a game day. And, you know, honestly – Blaine, you and I have both been at you know noon games against the the Charleston Southerns and the you know the Appalachian State, whoever the world. That that environment was probably more electric than than some game days that some of these kids might have been at. I mean, it was you could tell on TV, you could feel the emotion, the passion, um, and and that makes a difference to these kids. I mean, all the guys I've talked to, and I'm sure you know you've you've experienced the same thing. They're they're very impressed by, like you said, just the devotion of the fan base, and I. Um, I want to say it's maybe to, to Marion Parker that I spoke to. I can't remember exactly. So I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he said, you want to play for a fan base like that. You want to play for a, a group of people that are, are that passionate about a team. No one wants to play in the, in the stadiums that are empty on Saturdays and you know, the fan base, you know, if you're losing like, eh, who really cares? And people want to play for those fan bases that are passionate. I'm, um, you know, in the good times or the bad times. Well, in the in the going back to the class of 2022, someone who got won over by the Georgia fan base in that kind of environment. It was a Charleston Southern 12 noon game, and still Sean Washington was so impressed by the environment and the the energy that the fans brought in Sanford Stadium. He said that was the tipping point. That was the that was when he knew he wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog. Was here you are at a 12 o'clock game against an FCS school uh, that Georgia doesn't really have anything to to prove, go out, and they were uh, pumped. They were just absolutely pumped for that game. The entire game, you know, it did it, it, not a, not people leaving in droves in the fourth quarter. He said it was uh, it was a spectacle to behold and something that 
that really won him over. And that's even what held him remembering that that fan reaction was even what held him in that Georgia class when Billy Napier in Florida came hard after him uh, on that last weekend. He was actually on the official visit that Kamari Wilson was on where Wilson ended up going to Florida uh, and, uh, you know, Washington stayed in the class for Georgia there. So uh, the fan base definitely makes a difference, but jumping ahead to the 2023 class and beyond, you're right. Sammy Brown was one that was definitely impressed by the Georgia fan base. Another one that we'll have questions on and we'll go in more in depth on in a little bit is uh, Treon Webb. Of course, Treon Webb was initially won over by that uh, Georgia fan base, I think a couple years ago when Notre Dame uh, came and, and he was a freshman back then uh, or going into his sophomore year, I believe. And he was enamored with that night game atmosphere. But then he was back for this championship atmosphere. And he's been a Georgia commit, then Oklahoma commit, and now back on the market again after uh, Lincoln Riley left uh, left Norman to go out to Los Angeles and coach USC. He said that fan base, yes, uh, not yesterday, on Saturday, really, really energized him and energized, uh, you know, really – Kind of let him know the the trajectory of this Georgia program. So that was uh, that was that was pretty good uh, to see as well. I see a comment from uh, Canine Blues here watching. Said Vic Burley was probably most excited. There's no doubt Vic Burley was uh, was definitely liking what he saw um, out of the Georgia team, the Georgia staff, and that that celebration there. So that was a big deal there. And and Jed, some of the guys who were there that you talked to, like you said, you talked to Tamar and Parker. I talked to Justice Haynes, who was there, uh, the number one running back in the country. You know, it's got to be a little bit different feel, uh, especially in this class. There's so many legacy targets that Georgia's going after, Justice Haynes being one of them. They already have a commit uh, in Lawson Lucky, who's a legacy there. But when I talked to Justice about, you know, seeing his dad react to Georgia, his dad's alma mater, that night, he said uh, Veron was so nervous uh, during the game. You know, they watched the first half together. Second half, Veron had to go, like, watching in his room by himself and then came out after the game, said said go dogs to, to Justice and the rest of the family there. So he follows that up by going to visit uh, Georgia on that Saturday. So you know that had to be a different feel uh, for a guy who his dad is is so much a part of Georgia lore to see that celebration. Yeah, and, and he's spoken in interviews before about how, you know, his dad doesn't pressure him to go to Georgia and follow him in his footsteps and all those kind of things. And that's still true. But when you see a place that clearly means so much to his dad and you see them do something that has meant so much to his dad, I mean, Bron Haynes, I mean, I mean, he was maybe a year old when Georgia won the national championship back in 1980. I mean, it's it's been so long for guys, even in Mark Rick's early days. Um, that were where we're just being born. So to see that kind of emotion, yeah, it means something different. When you see, you know, because I'm sure I'm sure Veron uh, got a photo or two with that championship trophy in the locker room too. I mean, it means something to these guys, um, especially these in-state kids. Like I talked to um, talked to Caleb Downs um, the other day, and I was like, "Look, you're not an in- you're not a- he wasn't you know a huge Georgia fan growing up or anything." But be- I asked him, I said, "Being a local kid, does this kind of?" ring home with you and he said yeah you know i i wasn't a huge georgia fan growing up but i know what it means to these people in the state i understand why there's a hundred thousand people at this parade so especially for the in-state kids you know the ones that did or didn't grow up georgia fans pierce Sperlin, another one huge georgia fan i mean he just told me 
those Alabama games back in the day tore him up when Georgia lost at the end to Alabama. And to see him take those the pictures with the national championship trophy, you know it means a lot to, to guys like him and other guys that grew up in state. Yeah, and then uh, out of state, you know, there was an opportunity to make an impression on on uh, players as well from out of state. And you see, I'll go ahead and throw our uh, cover photo that we had. Uh, we're, obviously, we'll talk about Arch Manning, but we had Justice Haynes there. And then number 99, big number 99 right there is Jamal uh, Jarrett. And Jamal Jarrett is a defensive tackle prospect out of Grimsley, North Carolina. Uh, he's a three-star prospect right now on rivals. I expect him to climb up the rankings, uh, through his senior year. He measured, uh, they measured, did the height, weight and everything. He put out on Twitter that he measured Saturday morning when he arrived in Athens, six foot five, 349 pounds. Um, this is a young man and I'll, I'll pull up the, the picture as well. This is a young man that got to meet Jordan Davis when he was mm-hmm. there, uh, and, there's very few human beings, Jed, that can stand beside Jordan Davis and not look small. And certainly, uh, certainly Jamal Jarrett is not one of those. I mean, um, I wrote I wrote about him, uh, but you know anybody who cannot just be dwarfed by uh, by Jordan Davis is a big human being and somebody that Georgia would probably be interested in plugging up the middle of that that defense uh you know going forward yeah and, and i see a comment down here from joshua simmons big guy from north carolina next jordan davis yeah i mean it's it's following the the mold right a unheralded guy at least now in jamal's case like you said a kid expect him to climb but i mean look at that that kid, imagine you're a guy in high school you're 16 years old you're a right guard and you know you had a long day it was you know not the greatest day in pe you had a math test that was pretty hard Thinking, okay, Friday night I get to you know crack some skulls, and that guy lines up across for me. Like you literally have the size of the Outland Trophy Award winner lining up for me on a Friday night in North Carolina. Like that's not fair. Um, so I mean, you, you can't you can't teach uh, size like that. So he's he's a guy that's obviously going to be a big priority for the staff going forward. And I, something I thought was interesting in um in the story you wrote on him, Blaine, I believe it was Jamal Jarrett said he openly said, Yeah, I was cheering for Georgia in the national championship. Alabama's won enough. Like yeah, I, wanted, he, I wanted to see he, Georgia win. He said he said Alabama's won too much for his liking. He was rooting for, he was rooting for Georgia. He called Georgia the underdog. Now I'm sure uh some people would uh, I didn't you know he called Georgia the underdog, but some people get upset because they say, you know, Georgia was technically the betting favorite, but I think everybody knew going into that game perception was that Georgia was the the underdog going into that because of Alabama and the the history with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and all that kind of stuff. But uh, he most certainly was happy. I mean, North Carolina and Georgia are his top two schools uh, uh, right now. They, and he's a, he's a guy who could end up making a decision as soon as May. Uh, he's had uh, Travis Scott and Kirby Smart both, you know, uh, talking to him on a regular basis. Also sending him film of those defensive tackles, things like that. So uh, he's a he's a big guy and then somebody that they definitely uh, impressed during his time there. Another uh, 2023 lineman is in-state offensive guard Madden Sanker. Uh, I know you've talked to Madden. I've talked to Madden. Um, you know he. He's going through uh, wrestling right now. He's 16 and 0 in the in the heavyweight division, uh, GHSA. Um, just a tenacious athlete. Whether it's in wrestling or in football, he plays with that kind of attack uh, mentality. And you know, Madden is a guy that Matt Luke 
and this staff identified early on and they've made made a priority. I think uh, Georgia desperately wants to keep Madden Sanker in state lines. Yeah, and watching him at, at camps over the summer and at the Georgia League Classic right before New Year's, he plays with a little bit – he doesn't play dirty, but he plays with sort of that that nasty streak, you know, that you want in alignment. I mean, he's a very physical guy, not the biggest. I mean, I think, Blaine, I'm sure you'd agree, he, he projects as a guard at the next level. But he, he is just – he's very agile. Obviously, wrestling helps with that. Um, well, he's like a Justin Schaefer, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, that, that kind of nastiness. Yeah, exactly. Not dirty, not, you know – not hitting guys after the whistle, but just a very nasty to, to and through the whistle type guy. Um, and I think that's the type of guy Matt Luke loves on this offensive line, you know, like guy you just mentioned, Justin Schaefer. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that we're going to hit uh, in our questions. We've got a bunch of questions here that we're going to get to. But uh, what everybody kind of tuned in for, I think, is I posted a, a, a note on the vault earlier today on, on Arch Manning. Uh, Kirby Smart, Buster Faulkner, Matt Luke. Uh, Todd Monk and all these guys going out to New Orleans to see um, Arch Manning play basketball for Isidore Newman. Uh, and, you know, Arch has proven to this point to be a very good athlete, not just a, you know, pocket passer like uh, Peyton and Eli, um, you know, because there's always going to be how unfair you talk about unfair. It was unfair for kids lining up against, you know, uh, Lining up against Jamal Jarrett on Friday night. Well, how about it's kind of almost unfair to Arch Manning because he's always going to be compared, you know, to his Hall of Fame uncles. I mean, that that's kind of how that's going to go for him. But you know, you got to understand uh, that that's that's part of it when you got that that bloodline. But Jed, you know, everybody saw on a national broadcast um, this year. I believe they they played a team out of out of Tampa Bay. A much higher classification, Isidore Newman, great athletes everywhere. He ends up uh, doing a, a power read, pulling, getting a pull read and taking it, I think, 70-something yards to the house and pulling away from mm-hmm. defensive backs and linebackers that were pursuing him. It wasn't like he uh, broke a tackle and, you know, somebody missed. He, he, he had the speed to pull away from fast uh, defenders in the secondary. Uh, so Arch is a good athlete. I believe that was also the game Kirby went to watch. I could be mistaken on that. I think Kirby was in attendance um, for that one. Yes, but yeah, I mean these quarterbacks nowadays. I mean even your your guys. You know when you look at the at the rankings, you know the way Rivals does it. You've got the the pocket passer or pro whatever. There's pro style dual threat, threat. Dual threat and, these and pro style guys. I mean, like you said, Arch Manning. I'm sure is classified as pro style, but he's got a lot more you know movement and and agility than than the guys you know 10, 15 years ago did. I mean, he's a guy. Like you said, he—I mean, Stetson Bennett is a guy that can move. I mean, he's not going to run for 150 yards a game like Lamar Jackson, but he can extend plays. He can keep a, a, a zone read every now and then for 15 yards, and that's what quarterbacks—that's what coaches look for nowadays. I mean, if you're a statue back there, I don't care how accurate you are, how you know hard you can throw the ball, how far you can throw it, you're not going to be as highly regarded as a guy that that has the ability to evade pressure, ex- extend plays, scramble every now and then. So. That's a huge part of, of quarterbacks nowadays, what people are looking for. And Arch Manning obviously, you know, has that to go along with all the other traits of the quarterback. No doubt. And when you talk about sets a minute, I think a lot of people, what people don't know is running straight line, he tested against, uh, you know, when Georgia does their testing and things like that. Stetson Bennett ran a 40 in the, in the four five range. I mean, it, it was, it was, an, it was a legit laser time four five forty. 40. The kid, 
can can run and that's one element that that uh you know helped him out a lot you've got guys like Brock Vandergriff who are nearing that range he's more of a like a four six type type guy uh in, in Gunnar Stockton the last one that we have on him is a four seven type guy so I mean you've got you've got guys that all can run in that four five to four seven uh range there so we'll see on what it ends up happening the test I don't have testing numbers on Arch Manning um but if uh that you know image of him running 68 70 something yards whatever on the power read against a high quality team from the state of florida uh holds true one on the scouting port scouting report should be arch manning can run he can extend plays with his legs not saying that he's going to be a guy like you said a lamar jackson that changes the game with his legs but all you really need is whether you're running a, a four five one or a four seven one you just need to be able to evade pass rushers and extend plays when you have uh, the ability to do so. So that's one thing about Arch Manning, but you know, obviously the uh, coaching staff wanted to, you know, see him there, see play basketball. A lot of coaches, I know coach Donnan's talked a lot about loving going and watching players play basketball uh, back in the day when he, when he was recruiting because it just shows what kind of athlete you are. Here's the, here's the one knock I would put on Arch Manning. Uh, and before we get to our questions is he does not play other than that, game on that high profile ESPN game he played he does not play very high level competition uh he plays guys that are that are very small not very fast there in the the small classification he's in in uh in Louisiana that's the same knock that people had uh remember on Gunnar Stockton you know playing uh at the double a level in in Georgia and even on Brock Vandergriff the single a level but here's the deal if you can play these schools are going to find you right but I think what makes Arch Manning so elite, uh, in my opinion, and the reason he's deserving of the number one overall ranking in the in the country in the class of 2023, like uh, we have him at it at Rivals, is he has a throwing motion that is effortless, that is efficient, that can be repeated over and over again. His ball placement is great, and he has the footwork the manning footwork down to a t like you see that that typewriter uh footwork in the pocket um just you can tell he understands defenses knows where to go with the football and like i said the ball placement's on point so i think jed even though that arch manning doesn't play the highest level of competition all the time you see the tools there that can be you know when it's when it's when you get to the next level, it's all about being able to do things fast, right? And that catches up with you as you go up levels. That's why Tim Tebow's throwing motion didn't work, right? A big loop in his throwing motion couldn't be repeated successfully. Arch has a very, very, you know, right on, very efficient, short stroke where he throws the football. And I think those fundamentals that are so ingrained in him just through DNA alone are one reason that he is uh, looked at to be, you know, a generational type talent. Right, and there's things you can you can judge in a guy, no no matter what the competition is. Like you said, how his throwing motion looks um, in a game, decision making is he putting the ball in danger? Um, you know, is he? You know, we 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 you can see him run away from these guys and say, okay, how fast are the guys he's playing? But there are so many other things you can look at, whether it's in you know a work a private workout setting, whether it's in on film against those guys, non related to the competition they're playing. Um, there's a lot of things you can look at debated on, you know, regardless of the competition. So, like you said, the competition is is a is something to to 
to note, but I don't think it's it's by any means it's an end all be all for Gunner or for for um for Arch for any of these guys. I mean, look at Nick, look what Nick Chubb did. Out of yeah, I I agree, and that and and here's the thing that I posted about Arch on the on the vault, and this is why you need to be a member of the vault so you get these these type of thing. The uh that Georgia, you know, for the longest time has definitely been in the thick of this recruitment with with Arch Manning. I mean, there's there's a ton of connections, NFL connection with Todd Munkin and the Manning family, of course. Uh, you know, they just knowing each other from crossing paths in that way. Matt Luke and his time at at Ole Miss with uh, Arch uh, Archie and also Eli Manning um, with Cooper. There, there, there's a relationship there. Uh, you know, Kirby has a has a very strong relationship with Peyton Manning. They play golf in the off season. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, familiarity there. Uh, they're actually very very good friends, uh, despite giving each other a very hard time about the Georgia Tennessee rivalry and all that kind of stuff. But um, there's a lot of connections, and Buster Faulkner has uh, kind of asserted himself into the role of being almost the primary guy there in this recruitment, which says a lot that uh, as an offensive, you know, analyst. And you know, of course, there's also he was around in that uh, uh, you know Southern Mississippi area, you know, down there, you know, not far from from where the Mannings are, and then also having the the Mississippi ties and things like that. So there's so many interconnected pieces here. But after, you know, not only this visit, going to see him play basketball, all this kind of stuff, but just the continued communication, Jed, it seems like there it's going from Georgia could have a chance at Arch Manning to where there's now more of hopeful expectation and anticipation that Georgia could really end up with Arch Manning uh, in the class of 2023. I'm not ready for for a future cast uh, put in for Georgia right yet, but it's uh, it's approaching – that point in my book with Arch Manning in Georgia, I think Georgia is lending themselves to, to inching towards becoming that prohibited, prohibitive favorite. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the guy that, and Georgia's not alone in this, but this is the guy that the, the, the arrows for the 2023 class have been pointing towards. And they're doing, like you said, they're going, I mean, New Orleans is not close to Athens and you're making, you're sending what four coaches out there or five coaches to watch the kid play a basketball game. I mean, this is, they're going all in trying to land Arch Manning. I mean, this would be just a, a, a it's hard to say program changing when you just win a national title, but all the, the questions about the quarterback position, Blaine, you read the dog vent. I read the dog vent. Every thread's about quarterbacks, it seems like. And, and that would, I mean, landing Arch Manning would, I mean, there would be a lot of, he would be the guy. Um, so it's, they're doing a very good job in this recruitment. Like I said, Kirby, Munkin, Buster Faulkner. I mean, there's a lot of guys there involved, um, and they're doing a very good job. And like you said, they've gone from being one of several – like eight, it seems like every couple of weeks the list kind of is, is shrinking, and, and Georgia's is still maintaining its spot. Well, there's still a lot of people Arch. technically on the list because Arch yeah, is not going right. to say anything and really pare anything down. But the people who – that we're here and have the real shot – Georgia's shot is as real as anyone's, and right. if not, if not more so, of course, Alabama. You can never count Alabama out, especially what Nick Saban's proven that he can do with with quarterbacks. And then Ole Miss, just the family ties there. I think those would be the the main three. I think Clemson and and Texas uh, things have have you know people want to say, oh well, Clemson only lost three games. There's some problems in that program, right? Uh, both coordinators. Uh, move on to to other areas. Uh, 
Dabo Sweeney's still trying to navigate the 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 world of the the modern football with NIL and transfer portal that he's not yet really proven that he's able to to do. Um, you know, and, and it's it's getting it, it's getting interesting. So uh, we'll see how how those two programs end up getting it. But I would put Georgia at the top of the list right now. So without further ado, let's get into our questions here. And the first one, Jed, comes from our friend, uh, friend Pine Tree. It says, Shamar Stewart will take his official visit to Georgia this weekend, and then his final visit before signing day is to Miami. Can Georgia make up enough ground to land him? My answer is no. I don't think that Shamar Stewart's going to end up at, at Georgia. I'm not going to beat around the, the bush. I think uh, Texas A&M and Miami are the two schools that have – uh, the best chance, I think Dan Lanning leaving uh, Georgia, not going to lie. I think that's a, a big, big blow for him. I talked to people in the Shamar Stewart camp and, uh, you know, honestly, Mike Elko leaving Texas A&M and, and Dan Lanning leaving Georgia were two, uh, you know, big factors in his recruitment and Mario Cristobal coming in and kind of giving new life to Miami there. Jed, I think uh, being a Miami guy and how much he's expressed to us that he loves the city of Miami, I think, Miami has a new life in this one. Yeah, and I remember talking about this a couple of shows ago about all the upheaval in this kid's recruitment with Landing and Elko and Cristobal coming in and all this kind of stuff. And it does seem like it seemed for the longest time, Blaine, like like A and M was the leader, and he was just going to be another <laughs> another five star in a class full of five stars. But it does seem like Miami is is working their way back into this. Obviously, he visited um, recently. He got a visit from them. Um, once the contact period opened back up, he's going on another visit next weekend. So I think. I think Georgia's in third by a pretty pretty decent chunk. I don't know whether it's going to be A&M or Miami. Um, but at this point, I do. If we could put in an anti-future cast for where a kid's not going to go, I would I would put one in for Georgia right now. Yeah, and, you know, Texas A&M, you got to wonder if they got any uh, NIL money left over there. It's rumored that they've spent around $30 million on this class, not them specifically, but but uh, through NIL commitments and things like that. It's It's been uh, talked about that, that the – boosters at texas a&m were so aligned and ready for this that they they got kids deals that that scaled over how many years that they were at uh that they that they end up being at texas a&m so that they can't you know do a money grab and run to the portal and things like that so uh, very interesting the approach that texas a&m is taking to this but uh pressure is going to be on uh, the Aggies as, as uh, you know, this number one class uh, for them that they'll finish up with, uh, you know, takes effect. And then um, also, you know, going forward, if they could put together another one, then things get a little bit sticky there for Alabama out in the West with a real uh, challenge there. Texas A&M having actually already beat them this year uh, at College Station. So, Jed, next question we got here. From Lewis of Six, what's the word on receiver commit Raymond Cottrell? Do we now consider him as a soft commit? Uh, I talked to Raymond, um, you know, right after Cortez Hankton left. Uh, he, when I actually sent the text message, he did not know that Cortez Hankton had left. So he was like, what? Uh, but, uh, but he, but then he quickly responded with, well, you know, you can't blame guys for doing what's best with their family. Um, you know, he's, he's gotta, he's gotta do, uh, you know, people throw money at guys who are, uh, you know, part of national championship staff. So very savvy, you know, he, he knows how the, it's a business and how it works and things like that. Um, but he still, to me, seemed very committed to, to Georgia. I'm sure that, you know, he'll look at LSU. And I think he even told our uh, analyst, Ryan, uh, our regional analyst, Ryan, right. That he would 
you know, look into LSU with Coach Hankton being there because he was a big part of his recruitment. But um, I think Raymond Cottrell is more interested in University of Georgia as a whole. Uh, so I wouldn't call him a soft commit at all. Jed, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I read that same piece from Ryan. That was LSU, and I I want to say there was another school, maybe Alabama. Maybe he said he would consider. I don't remember, so don't don't y'all don't run with that. But yeah, like you said, um, I think this is a situation where whoever the new receiver coach has to come in and sell Raymond on you know the, the, his vision, how he's going to be used, all that kind of stuff. Um, which which all new coaches do, you know, when they when they come in and take over a job and, and you have commits already. But I think, you know, now it's it's natural for a kid to say, okay, well, the the position coach I committed to has moved on. Where, where do I stand now? But I think, you know, when the, the new position coach will come in at receiver and, and sell Raymond and settle his mind back down, and you know, obviously a kid could still decommit for other reasons. There's still a long way to go, uh, basically twelve months before he can sign. Um, but yeah, I think he's he's still solid as of now but you know there's obviously still a long way to go and people also need to know that as long as todd munkin is at the university of georgia he is very involved and even so this year was very involved with the wide receiver position uh you know you talk about a guy who's coached deshaun jackson and chris godwin and mike evans when he was you know with the tampa bay buccaneers and even had to deal with uh, famous Jameis throwing to him. So, you know, there's it, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. But uh, Todd Munkin has a ton of experience with receivers himself. Um, so I'm sure that he's going to step in and uh, talk to a lot of those receiver recruits himself. Kirby, uh, right. I'm sure, will get involved with that as well while they're searching for new wide receiver coach. All right, Jed, next question. PA Dog 610, Fermenti Brothers, Pennsylvania. Ripping out there. Uh, what's the word on any skill position prospects in the in the portal? Receiver, running back, quarterback, etc. Yeah, I, I honestly think that you're not going to see Georgia move on any any receivers uh, or running back any skill guy, offensive skill guys in the portal until after spring practice, uh, because I think Georgia right now is in the process of actually trimming down their roster, right, and getting it to the number. I think they're at 91, 92 scholarships, something along that line. Now, a lot of people say, well, they're not really over because, Jed, you know as well as I do, for as long as the guys who were at uh, on the program or in the program for the COVID season, as long as they still remain in the program, that scholarship does not count against your total because it was allowed, you know, so they can be over for as long as those guys are still around. So I think this will be the last year of being over for that amount of spots and things like that. Plus they have the, the, you know, for as many guys that go out, they can add up to seven back because of the new rules with the transfer portal and things like that. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Georgia kind of wait this out, let guys compete at their schools and things like that. In the spring, you'll have some guys disgruntled. They'll enter the portal, and I think that's where you'll see Georgia uh, take advantage of the transfer portal. Right, and another thing, too, is the academic side of this because Georgia's already there in the middle or a couple weeks into the academic calendar, and all that stuff has to time up and credits and this and that. So, there's, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, before about how Georgia and Alabama, those schools are going to have to wait for the national championship to, to really start getting into the portal, guys leaving. And I think now we're kind of saying we, when we're looking at additions, we're going to have to wait until, you know, Georgia gets done with spring practice and, and or at least later in the spring before we really, really start hearing about guys. Um, just because it's, it's a timing issue. Like you said, guys, more guys are going to leave, more guys are going to want to come in. So it's going to be one of those things where it's going to take a little while. But again, like I've said before, Darian Kendrick and Eric Gilbert joined this team on June 1st last year. So 
the fact that no one is transferred into the program yet on January what 18th is is not um you know the sky is not falling for Georgia when it comes to transfer portal by any means and you know people got to remember like you know JT Daniels still counts towards Georgia scholarship numbers right now and I mean even though he's you know, we broke the news here on UGA Sports around 12 o'clock uh, the other day that that uh, he intended on hitting the portal. Well, you know, until he's gone, that number doesn't come off yet, right? So uh, things like that, and he's got to finish up uh, some classes and all that kind of stuff to be able to graduate and be eligible. So um, there's a lot of working pieces when it comes to that. Uh, realistic UGA fan 1192 version 2.0. Christian Miller, dot, dot, dot. A dog or no? Jed, that one's getting interesting. Yes, it is. Um, you visited Oregon, which Oregon, I mean, you look at the recruitment of Oregon, just because it was Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama, for Georgia, Ohio State, and um, USC for a while. He includes Oregon in his top four, and everyone's kind of like, okay, whatever, just want to have an even number. Then Dan Landon goes to Oregon, and, and he, takes an, he takes an official visit out there. And I actually spoke with him briefly yesterday, and he said the visit was great. Coach Landing's on top of everything. He's got a long-standing relationship with Coach Landing. Um, but he also said he is planning to visit Athens probably multiple times because obviously it's not far from Cedar Grove. Um, so I don't know. I still think it's between Georgia and Ohio State. I don't think Georgia's lead is what it was, Blaine. I think you'd agree there. But I I don't know. If you made me pick this second, I'd pick Georgia still. But there's two weeks till signing day. So, you know, there's – there's all kinds of stuff. He's too, he hasn't used his official to Georgia yet, so I'm assuming one of his trips to Athens will be one of those. And Kirby Smart has not used his in-home visit yet with right. Christian Miller right. as well either. As as, as is like is as as people like to say on the message boards, it's fluid. So I don't know. Yeah. I th- I do think it's between Georgia and Ohio State. I, I feel confident in saying that, um, but it's going to be a, a dogfight over the next two weeks between those two schools. Yeah, uh, Kristen Miller is a guy who is very media savvy, very brand savvy. He's going to keep himself relevant. I mean, there that that is that is one. He has an f- unbelievable personality. He's a great young man, just absolutely magnetic personality. I mean, he 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 lights up a room, right? But he also knows that he also knows that he has that personality and that that kind of skill set jed so he's he's going to uh he's going to entertain he is an entertainer at heart and that's what he's going to do i do feel like there's two sides of this coin things you can draw off of i don't feel any reason to change my future cast from georgia for Kristen miller one i think having uh Kay and lee in the class of 2023 his teammate that he just won a state championship with committed and then also uh cj madden in the class of 2022 now signed uh, with Georgia, I feel no reason uh, why he wouldn't want to go uh, play with with his teammates. Also, Michael Williams is like uh, basically a brother to him. I mean, he's described him to me as as literally as close as a as a blood brother. So uh, you know, when when he um, you know has all those guys going to play in Athens and the relationship also that he has with Trey Scott that's been very long lasting, I feel like that in the end of the day will win out with Kristen Miller. But, you know, I do think Ohio State has a chance. And then, I, I mean, Dan Lanning is a terrific coach. Uh, will I'm sure will prove to be a phenomenal uh, 
recruiter up there to the the greater northwest area up there with with Oregon and and he's going to be targeting guys out of the the state of Georgia I'm sure I mean he's because if you can if you can get guys out of the the state and use your connections there that helps him build that program faster still feel like uh, Kristen Miller is going to end up being a Georgia Bulldog but that is getting much much closer and uh, there's a lot that could happen between now and signing day suspense 12 Jed got our next one yeah, it says, who are our legit possibilities for the class of 22? Okay, so we've just talked about Kristen Miller. Uh, EJ Lightsley is a guy who is visiting this weekend, I believe, uh, coming on his uh, official official visit. And, uh, you know, he's he's a South Georgia, South Georgia kid and uh, inside linebacker that Georgia, it's a position that they they just lost three inside linebackers, right, to the NFL. Now they've got uh, Smile Munden, Xavier, uh, Xavier Sawyer, and, and Jamon Dumas-Johnson, who will all, you know, fill in that role. But uh, anytime you lose three in one year, Jed, you got to, uh, you know, continue to, to replenish. And, uh, you know, EJ, EJ Lightsley is a guy who Georgia's been interested in for a while, but that, that level of interest has uh, kind of kicked up a notch here lately. Absolutely. And I remember watching him in the state championship games a couple of weeks ago and he just absolutely dominated. Um, so yeah, it's visiting this weekend. Obviously there's like only a couple of weeks for signing day. So this visit will be huge. And um, yeah, like I said, he's a position of need. The coaches I'm sure are pitching that just like we thought they were pitching it to Marvin Jones, the, the ability to come in and at least compete for playing time right away. Um, so we'll see. I mean, obviously it's, it's coming down the wire for EJ Lightsey and you were just talked about Christopher Miller. Those are going to be two names to watch. Um, who who says the February signing day um you know doesn't have any excitement anymore? But those are two names uh, that Georgia fans definitely want to keep an eye on here the next couple of weeks. And I think those are the most realistic names. Yeah. I don't I don't really uh, feel like there's any you know dark horse names that that could that could be out there. Uh, you know, I mean, there's always a chance that maybe a, a young man from a, a junior college or something like that catches your eye. But uh, those those days are becoming more and more rare as as time goes on um so yeah i think ej lightsley and then of course uh kristen miller your two most likely candidates there in the class of 2022 all right jed next question what we got from crow king one two three 2023 is a really deep class for running backs we're currently targeting if the class was filled out today who are the two you think we would finish with all right so i've got i've put another uh, future cast in today uh, we talked about uh, Trey on web you know and obviously having been committed to Georgia long time once before uh, and then Justice Haynes so I think those two are the guys that that Georgia will go with a very interesting comment uh, from Trey on web I was expecting with his uh, his game and his film that I've watched things like that he reminds me a lot, maybe of a, a James Cook type style. But when I asked him who Georgia, uh, the Georgia coaching staff, their messaging, who they compared him to, he actually said Zamir White was the guy that that they see him ended up being like. Maybe that's a projection of how he he will fill out in his frame uh, because he is a, a big young man. But a very interesting comparison right there that he's heard from uh, Del Del McGee going forward. But I think uh, Trayon Webb, I know, you know, they're definitely going to pursue Richard Young, but I think, uh, you know, and also Ruben Owens out of Texas. But I feel like uh, and they, who they went and saw today, now you've got more on that, Jed. But if I had to bet today, I would say that uh, Trayon Webb and Justice Haynes are the two that end up in this class. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, I think if not one of those two, I think Ruben Owens is the next. Um, Dale McGee and Kirby Smart both went and saw him today. Um, both, you know, Dale McGee this morning, Kirby Smart this afternoon, which is almost basically like two visits when you've got two guys coming at two separate times to come see a young man. Um, you know, Georgia really likes him. I think Richard Young is the guy that, you know, obviously is a very talented player, but there just hasn't been a lot of, you know, buzz either way there. I don't think he has Georgia super high, you know, on the on the list he's he's considering. So I think it's between those three for two spots, basically. And I think Haynes and Webb for sure are the the mo- the two most likely. Um, but if not those two, then I think Ruben Owens is next up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just throwing some of these YouTube YouTube comments on here. Uh, people pointing out that Jermaine Johnson and DJ Daniel were junior college guys. Yeah, those those might be, uh, in my opinion, maybe the last of a dying breed, so to speak, with this transfer portal. It's really kind of kind of hurt that uh, avenue of of talent acquisition for some of these schools. Uh, Scuffletown asked us the question that everybody wants to know: Are we Georgia in the hunt for Caleb Williams? I've been told no, and I've been told no repeatedly. Um, one, you know, we, we did break the news that JT Daniels is leaving. That would leave you to speculate that, um, that Stetson Bennett would be, would be staying. That's not official. We don't know. Uh, so if, if, if that were to be the case, did, I think if, if you were going after Caleb Williams, right, I think Georgia would be, have been much more overt in their actions he would have already been on campus, things like that, when he's been paraded around uh, Southern California by USC and, and and UCLA, things like that. Also, longtime teammate Mario, uh, or not longtime teammate, but his teammate from uh, Oklahoma, Mario Williams, who said he wanted, he didn't know where he was going when he was transferring, but he wanted Caleb Williams to be his quarterback. Well, he just committed to USC. So it just doesn't add up to me that Georgia would be a serious contender right now for uh, Caleb Williams unless something were to happen unexpected with the quarterbacks already there and also something possibly happened with the current coaching staff. Yeah. I just think USC is too, it's too perfect, right? I mean, it's the, the NIL situation being in Los Angeles, Lincoln Riley, um, like you just said, Mario Williams, that seems too perfect either way. I don't see it being Georgia. We just haven't heard that much buzz. Cause like you said, if Georgia was really pushing for him, they would have tried to get him on campus. I don't, I'm sure the coaching staff has contacted him. I don't believe, Blaine, correct me if I'm wrong, that they visited him. Um, so I don't know. It just doesn't seem now. If, if Stetson Bennett leaves as well and, and Georgia's left with, with Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck and, and Gunnar Stockton on the roster, I do think they're going to hit the portal hard looking for a transfer quarterback. I don't think it's going to end up being um, Caleb Williams at this point. I just I just don't see it. Moving on, we got DC Dog ninety three. When can we expect our first portal commitments after the spring game? Yeah, we 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 don't have to spend a lot of time on that. We've already talked about how I think Georgia's going to wait around mostly until after spring ball, Jed, and kind of see how things shake out, and also let the guys on their roster compete because I'm sure Georgia will have uh, some more attrition from their roster. Some guys leaving, you know, maybe they they compete, they decide they're going to stick around from spring, see what they uh, see how they stack up if they don't. Uh, win a job that's just the way it is today there may be some guy more guys leave georgia via the portal yeah because like you said you go there's guys now who are thinking okay you know whoever's leaving you know i'm, I'm gonna get my shot in the spring spring doesn't quite go as planned 
then you're saying, okay, it's time to go elsewhere. Um, so, and that's going to go both ways, right? People are going to want to leave Georgia because of that. And there's going to be people wanting to leave, you know, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, like whoever that are going to be looking for a new home. So it's going to go both ways. There's movement. There's natural movement after the season due to that situation. And there's natural movement after spring practice uh, because of the same thing. So it's going to be another period of guys leaving um, during and after the spring. And I think that that's when you're really going to see Georgia get active in the portal with bringing guys in. DGD 1994, in your opinion, why did Kimber transfer? Well, I just, uh, Jed, I mean, I'm not, not in the, in the, you know, in the coach's office, so I'm not part of that conversation, but I do know that, um, you know, we talk to sources and talk to people uh, very close to situations, and I think that there's honest conversations that are had uh, between players, almost like an exit interview for the year, right? You know, where do you see me? Where do I line up? How are things going? And sometimes maybe when a program's vision is different, uh, you wrote about it today in in uh, the piece on uh, Stetson Bennett, right? Uh, they they gave him a very different vision of himself than what he had uh, before he left for Jones College, and then also subsequently back when he came back going into this season, uh, he ended up sticking it out. But you know, when there's a different uh, vision, but for a player, sometimes they just elect to go elsewhere. Yeah, and and we've talked so much, right, about all the the talent coming in in this recruiting class. And when you have a guy like Jalen Kimber, a very talented guy, or he wouldn't be at Georgia in the first place, but you lose this season due to injury, and guys like you know Keely Ringo and you know guys like that just surpassed you just from sheer reps. Um, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to make that ground up. So I think yeah, like you said, there were honest conversations that were had and. If anything's uh, clear from that from that piece on sets and minute, the, the Georgia staff will be upfront with you and tell you if they do or do not see playing time for you. And, and you, you can't begrudge a young man for saying he wants to go somewhere else and play. Um, and obviously, we all know the reasons, but you know wh- whatever it is, Jalen Kimber felt that Florida was a better opportunity for him, and you know more power to him. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at some of these conversations. Uh, the 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 comments in YouTube. I just cannot believe that people are still. <laughs> having the the conversation about uh Stetson Bennett and and who the quarterback should be and stuff like that after even after Georgia wins a national championship man you can debate who it was because of and things like that but man uh that that you would think you would think eventually that would uh that that would go by the wayside but uh I guess not so that's always quarterbacks always going to be the the hot topic there there Jed what what people are going to uh going to be be stuck on there. China nine. What is the story on seven cloud? Do you think he ends up in the class of 2023 as, as luck would have it, Jed, you, you spoke with seven cloud earlier today. I tried. He didn't take me back and in, in keeping with this true man of mystery theme, you know, going back to, to the quirky kill. And I'm at the, I'm at Mercedes Benz stadium at eight 30 in the morning. I'm trying to figure out what number seven cloud is. And I have a player tell me, Oh, seven doesn't play for us anymore. So ever since then, it's been a, um, it's been a fun ride tracking down seven cloud, but um, he was ineligible to play in the fall um, or he tried to transfer and couldn't transfer in time or something. He's at a new school. Now the name of which escapes me, he's eligible to play. Um, he's eligible to play this fall. So I think this is going to be a situation kind of like, you know, what does he, what does he put on tape? Right. What, you know? Exactly. And you know, there's all these questions about, because going back to Tyree West, people are like, okay, maybe he didn't develop exactly like the Georgia coaches wanted him to all that kind of stuff. Well, you got a guy in seven cloud, 
he didn't play his junior year. So now when he takes the field this fall, it'll be his first live game action in two years since he was a sophomore. So physically, how has he developed? How has he gotten better as a defensive lineman? I think that's going to be huge. And if he proves, if he's developing like the Georgia coaches want him to, I have no reason to think he won't be a part of the class, Um, you know, assuming he doesn't decide to decommit and go elsewhere. But if it's one of those situations where he, he isn't exactly progressing like the staff wants, then we might see another situation where he, he could get, you know, bumped out of the class or, or any of those kind of things. So in short, dude, I don't know. Uh, he's in the, he's in the class right now, and that's that's the book that's is still out on that one. He and he, and yeah. committed kid. I mean, he's a guy who he, yeah. he he loves being a Georgia Bulldog. So if if that's the case, and they're giving him you know kind of parameters to work in and 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 to strive towards, of course he's got to control his weight and things like that. But we'll see how he plays this fall. Uh, RP uh, one. One one two nine six says, uh, "Are there any kids in the twenty twenty three class that you guys personally like that might be sleepers?" Uh, thanks for all you guys do. We appreciate that. We appreciate everybody that uh, you know joins us on the show here and also asks questions. Jed, I already talked about a sleeper that I think uh, a guy that you know he's kind of underrated is, is Jamal Jarrett. I think he's a guy who could who could be end up being uh, pretty good in in this class. A guy. That uh, Georgia Georgia is after. Is there anybody else that you can think of in the class of 2023 that it might end up being classified as a sleeper? Uh, I'm having a hard time because Georgia is uh, really going after some high-profile guys in the class of 2023. This stacks up to be maybe one of the most star-studded class in terms of guys Georgia has a realistic chance of signing. Yeah, I was going to say there aren't really the guys – at the moment, because I mean, you know, the the Dylan Bells and the Cole Spears and the CJ Maddens of this last class didn't really emerge till the summer. So, um, you know, right now I think they're really focused on like here. Here's a name I'll I'll throw out there. There's a guy, a running back out of I believe it's Orlando, named Cedric Baxter, who I admittedly don't know a ton about, but in the last rivals rankings, he rose up like 80 spots or something. I mean, shot up. Um, so that could be a name if he continues to impress gets to athens has a good camp shows out of rivals camps whatever um that could be a name georgia looks at if things fall through with those top running backs on the board um but yeah other than that like you said there's a lot of top 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 talent that georgia's going after in this 23 class um and you know we'll keep an eye on it over the summer and if those guys emerge the sleeper guys the the lower rated guys that come up you'll you'll hear about it on the on the vault first but um Right now, it's 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 a uh, it's hard to think of those guys this far out. Well, I will I will say uh, one that's already committed. Raquez uh, McKeldery um, right. yeah. is a guy who's not you know tremendously heralded, but he's a, he's a big interior offensive lineman, and I think he'll you know Georgia really likes him a lot. And then also when you talk about C.J. Allen, um, linebacker out of Barnesville, you know, so he's playing two A ball. Uh, Georgia and Glenn Schumann, I think, wanted to see what he put on tape, how he competed, things like that. Um, he was in Athens this weekend. Uh, C.J. Allen was to take in the the championship celebration and things like that. So C.J. Allen is a guy who I think will uh, climb up rankings as this year goes on, just tremendously athletic to me. I mean, he's uh, he's right around, you know, that 6'1", 6'2", uh, anywhere from 210 to 215 range. He he, rem, he really plays inside linebacker, sideline to sideline. I mean, he, he plays it the very same 
ilk the same way that a that a Nicobe Dean and a Roquan Smith play. I'm not talking about his uh, overall talent level. I'm talking about the the style in which he plays. Right, you know, going sideline to sideline. But Oklahoma had offered him before uh, Lincoln Riley left. Subsequently, Southern Cal has offered him. Uh, uh, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, South Carolina, schools like that after him as well. C.J. Allen is a name from uh, Barnesville, Georgia, to keep an eye on. He plays for Lamar County down there. DB Dog 7, is it too early to say where we rank with Arch? Now, I think Georgia's the favorite with Arch Manning. I I mean, I really do. I think as it stands today, and a lot can change between now and when Arch Manning signs, uh, especially who knows if there's coaching staff changes, things like that, any – Small change. I think it's hilarious. Connor O'Gara, who's with uh, Saturday down south about uh, 18 months ago, Jed, he started He started saying, I'm going to uh, – every occurrence that happens in college football, I'm going to immediately ask myself the question, how does this affect Arch Manning? He said because <laughs> he said everything is connected to Arch Manning in, in that way. So, yeah, I think I think Georgia's the, the leader right now. Uh, Jed medical dog asked, what position do you think is most needed in the portal? So we've talked about timing, but Jed, what position do you think is most needed? Is it a quarterback? Is it wide receiver? Is it linebacker? Where does Georgia have the most need in this class? I wouldn't say quarterback unless Stetson Bennett leaves. I would say, I would say probably outside linebacker maybe just for depth because getting Robert Beal and Nolan Smith back obviously are huge you still don't have a lot of proven experience, experience right yeah plenty because you're going to have Michael Williams and Marvin Jones right. come in right plenty of talent not as much experience maybe there maybe safety although again kind of like with Robert Beal and Nolan Smith Chris Smith coming back is a massive that might be the the biggest William Poole sure. coming back as well. William Poole as well. I mean, that's a, Chris Smith coming back is massive, massive, massive for that secondary. So I would say probably either outside linebacker or, or safety is where I'd go. Yeah. I mean, say a, a true, a true safety. Yes. An experienced safety, maybe to, to be there in the middle to kind of take the, the Lewis scene uh, spot. But um, when it comes to inside linebacker there, too, Jed, because yeah. because you just had three leave and you got unexperienced guys. I think they if there's an experienced guy now, obviously like this type of player is returning to to Arkansas, like bumper pull, you know. Uh, but it, but if there is a guy that's in that type of experience level, plays the game the right way, things like that, Georgia would consider bringing in a, a, a an inside linebacker to play. I think if there's a top of the line wide receiver that uh, you know really approaches a little bit later in the, in the cycle that Georgia uh, would go after that type of player. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know that there's glaring needs. If you talk to Jordan James uh, and you talk to somebody close to, to Jordan James and, and, you know, talked about uh, still feeling like they would be in the class, uh, you know, Jordan James would be in the class later on, you know, if that were not to happen, I could see Georgia targeting a running back. But you know, I think that uh, I think that right now, wide receiver, linebacker needs to you know at an experience level, getting somebody to kind of be a leader in that role is someone uh, positions that you would look at right now. But Jed, that's uh, that's it, man. We've get, we've made it through all of our questions here on the vault. So uh, uh, anything coming up 
recruiting coverage wise that people need to be looking out for over at ugasports.com? Just the you know keeping you guys updated on signing day and trying to get the latest on Kristen Miller and and Jordan James. Like you mentioned, I spoke with some sources up there today. Um, they still believe Jordan James is solid and just exploring his options. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and then yeah, man, it, it's time to start looking forward to, to 2023 and the the cheat sheets and the leaderboards and you know we'll, we'll have you guys covered with the vis- these visit weekends the next couple of weeks and you know recruiting never stops, football never stops, and you know I wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely, it's a it's a great time. Uh, even there, even with the the season having come to a conclusion now, it is really getting into uh, you know as we kind of turn the page from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, as you said in the recruiting world, and uh, you know getting ready to gear up for make all these contacts during the the contact period then it goes dead in in uh in february and then after that you start getting line uh lining up all of these official visits that are coming into play so uh for jed may i am blaine gilmer thank you guys for joining uga sports rumors versus facts remember to subscribe and hit the like button if you haven't already and we greatly appreciate all of you tuning in and we will catch you next time on UGA sports, Georgia recruiting rumors versus facts.